Put your speeders in park. Pour yourself a blue mojito. Kick your feet up because it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Qui-Gon's happy hour. Holy... Holy moly, ladies and gentlemen. Holy the force. I'll go away for two weeks and we get two of the most gigantic episodes of The Mandalorian that they have made to date. Um, We are doing a double feature this week. So we're going to go... Because I was away for two weeks, as I said two weeks ago, I'm going to be away. I'm going to do episode... 13 um, today, uh, which is Monday, the, what's the date today? Monday the 7th, this is coming out, Australian um, Daylight Savings Time, and then with episode 14, that's going to come out on Tuesday. It's still going to be called Mando Mondays, because that's just the brand, ladies and gentlemen, it sounds wonderful, but let's get, without further ado, let's get into episode 13. Um, (sighs) Holy crap. Um, I want to use that word, um, dank ferric, ladies and gentlemen, dank ferric. I can use cuss words on this show that are within the Star Wars universe because they're PG friendly, ladies and gentlemen, dank ferric Rosario looked great. Okay. So her, um, I think, her, I think they call her, her montrals, her montrals, her, her, her mantrals, whatever they are. Yes, they were shorter. She didn't have big, long, spiky shark T ones. Now, I believe I'm going to address this right here. Ladies and gentlemen, spoilers. Spoiler-filled. If you're watching this right now, you're being, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the episode, go and watch the episode. Stop being silly and come back and have a listen. Dank, Ferrick. Um, yeah, so I think Rosario's, um, her mantrals, mantrals, whatever they call them, were short. they were definitely shorter. They were definitely more akin to Ahsoka in um, Clone Wars Season 2, Season 3, like as she started to become a little bit more, a little bit closer to a Jedi. Um, I think there was definitely, um, that might have been a prop issue, and I'm sure it'll come up in the gallery Season 2. I think that might have been a practicality issue. They might have been heavy. Uh, They might have been... It's just difficult to maneuver in. Also, you know, there's kind of the the possibility that um, they just decided to really drastically make her look like Ahsoka, um, but not too close to Rebels. So it's a bit difficult to tell because Bo-Katan um, looked very much like Rebels um, and, and Clone Wars, where we last saw her Bo-Katan. But um, there's just... I think because Rosario was also not um, Ashley Eckstein playing um, Ahsoka and it was Rosario's interpretation of it, I really like that. I mean, it's like if you watch Anakin's in uh, Hayden Christensen's interpretation of um, Darth Vader, for instance, um, it's it's quite different to it's it's similar to David Prowse, but it's different. It's got its own interpretation, so that's kind of it's like. You know, all the Batmans are slightly different as well. They're all um, just a different interpretation, and that's what that is. And and I think they wanted to set, really set her apart from the rest. Um, and they really did. I mean, I'm looking here, and yeah, she doesn't look like Shark T, but she looks like Ahsoka. She acts like Ahsoka. She had a very deep voice. 
um, like Ahsoka. Her sabers, oh my God. This was one of the most beautiful episodes they've made yet, ladies and gentlemen. The look of those white sabers on live action, the first time we've seen it. Something about the lighting, the coloring choice in this episode as well. It was quite dim and desaturated. It looked like a Blade Runner epi- um a Blade Runner kind of show as compared to the next episode, which we'll get into the in, in the next episode um, when we talk about chapter uh, 14. But talking about chapter 13 here, those sabers were just gorgeous. The sound, like that was the coolest sounding saber I, I think I've ever heard next to like Kylo's saber in the, in the modern era. Um, I like that she was kind of lurking around. I like it was kind of horror filmy um, going on. I'm going to try and smash this out nice and quick, but this might go for quite some time. Um, her hair, so we spoke about her uh, montrals. Uh, I've just got a, a list of notes here that I made. I rewatched it last night um, just to kind of recheck myself. But this episode is so full. The next episode is going to be full in a different way. This is very story. This episode is just very story heavy because it seemed like they wanted to get so as much a soaker in as they possibly could. Um, Grogu. Let's talk about Grogu really quickly as well. Oh my God, I love that name. That is so cute. We finally found out his name. Um, I was going to say Rosario's voice makes her sound very mature. It sounds like a very mature Ahsoka. Um, not to say that Ashley Eckstein's isn't. It's just something about Rosario's got a little bit of a different tenor to her voice. And it gave her this um, deeper, more... Um, I feel like it just fit with the Return of the Jedi kind of era Ahsoka as opposed to um, an Ahsoka that was in Rebels, which was po- which was pre A New Hope. So it, it just gives her the extra 20 years, 10 years or so um, on her experience. And the voice is, you know, it's it's a it's a element you can kind of, you might be able to hear my voice is a bit scratchy. I've been away and just hanging out with friends and it's, it's a, it's a, it's like a, you get scars on your voice. It's got, it's like your skin, you know, we, we've got this story that your voice can tell. And, and that's kind of why I like that Rosario's voice is like that. Um, Very samurai movie. This was cool. It was very Japanese. Um, let's just talk about quickly the, that town was really cool. Um, you know, we, we got back to the little ball again, that connective tissue, um, just adding to the, it's, it's really just a visual and physical memento that um the mando has with grogu and it goes all the way back to episode three you know uh chapter three um i want that little bag that he has that he puts little grogu in for my son we were away and i had my son on my back on one of those baby backpacks and you know we kept referring to him as little grogu little baby yoda um as I said, the design of the city is very Japanese, but like in a sci-fi, so it's kind of Blade Runnery. I felt this episode was very Blade Runnery. Um, it seemed like a very tortured town. You know, they had those. I called them space. I call them space crucifixes, where the people were like um, being hung and quartered, basically, um, in front of her, just as a as a as a. Um, it's like you see in like Pirates of the Caribbean when they have the pirates hanging. Um, it's just like a, a warning. But Star Wars is very, um, it's dark, but it's not, it's not too gruesome. You know what I mean? They, they, they it's quite, um, the word I want to use is it's very, uh, respectfully dark and respectfully kind of violent, um, you know, cause kids watch it and stuff, but there's still elements where I wouldn't show, you know, any of my two year olds or anything. Um, the magistrate juxtaposition with the Zen garden. That's really cool. Again, looks like a Blade Runner, something or other meets a Japanese samurai movie. Um, 
the bounty was a clever ruse. Um, you know, for him, he, he knew that he wasn't going to... He knew that he wanted to find out where she was and find her, um, but he needed to get out of that city first. Um, he needed to get a better understanding of what he was dealing with, especially with the magistrate. Um, the Beskar Spear is a brilliant setup um, and shows... And the Beskar Spear is a great play. It comes into play later, and we'll talk about that later. But we, when we first meet Ahsoka... Well, we, when we meet Ahsoka alongside the Mando, he is able to use his gauntlets to stop a lightsaber and... Pure Beskar is really something. <laughs> like really, it show it goes to show and it adds to the myth of how the how the Jedi were so evenly matched with them, or the Mandalorians were so evenly matched with the Jedi because of their Beskar. Um, you know, he, next point I've got here is he's very clever with words and spinning them to manipulate people. Um, you know that there's that one moment with that. Uh, with that guard guy, I suppose the cowboy-looking guard guy, the po- the um, ex-imp guy, um, and he, you know, he says, "What is that after all?" And to protect him, he says, oh, a, "I keep it around for good luck." <laughs> like that's a classic kind of Japanese samurai movie thing. I keep a keep a grasshopper around for good luck. It's his little grasshopper. Um, so it says he he blocks the saber gauntlets. Her curiosity for Grogu is really cool. I just like went, oh my god! Of course she'd know, she'd be curious about him because he looks like Yoda. Um, you know she had a good relationship with Master Yoda. The Force conversation they have, the the, the acting in their faces, um, especially the puppet, the way she acts with the puppet and she smiles at him and she and she goes hmm and she listens to him and she just looks like she's listening to him. Um. But he's actually not saying anything, but he's also going like this. And then finally, he says something to her and she picks him up. And um, that was really, really interesting. Um, and then she said, you know, he says, we're well, having conversations says, in a way. Um, Grogu is so happy when Din uses his name. That's true. Um, he just loves that he finally, you know, he's his father. So, like, imagine having a kid. I couldn't imagine having my kids for so long and... You know, at this point, it's probably about six months that he's had him and not knowing his name. He just calls him kid like, um, and he's so happy he knows his name. He has, he has a, he was a youngling at the temple. So that's really cool. And they say, so, okay, I'm going to quickly, I'm going to very briefly get into this. They say that he, uh, this is a cool, this is something that I'm really excited about. So, you know, obviously we've got all these stories about Order 66 and we've got um, Fallen Order and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of stuff going on at Rebels, you know, um, Kanan was the last Padawan and all that kind of stuff or one of the last Padawans, and so was uh, Cal Kestis from Fallen Order, um, it's really interesting to think about the fact that um, little Grogu was hidden away. He was a hidden little youngling, and he was probably hidden because he looked like Master Yoda. And we know at this point, he, he could still be Yaddle's daughter. He could still be related to Yaddle. Um because we know Yaddle left before the Clone Wars. She left the Order before the Clone Wars and Yoda, you know, told her to, you know, he, he insisted that she, she leave. Um, it wasn't working for her, so he, he supported her. And um, that might have been why. Maybe Yoda had decided to keep little Grogu and train him and look after him because Yaddle couldn't, was worried. And, you know, they're the last of their species. So there's probably some complexities to this species. And, and because they are typically very Force-sensitive creatures. He was trained in the temple, so that makes me wonder whether there was other 
um, younglings, not necessarily of Yoda's species, but just other younglings that were hidden. And then someone saved them and then somehow the Imperials came across little Grogu. But he made it through all of the Imperial reign without ever being found by, you know, what if Yoda took him to, like had him on the ship um, and had him in, uh, what's it called? Maybe Grogu knows Luke, like this is who he's got to go and see later. Um, What if Yoda took him to Dagobah, you know? Anyway, uh, let's move through my notes here. Let me have a look. Uh, so when she mentions Yoda, they play his music. That's really cool. Um, the, there's the dad frustration in Din there, where he won't, um, where he can't really move the rock. Uh, she mentions he has hidden ability. He's hidden his abilities uh, to keep safe because people don't really know what a Yoda looks like. And to those who do know what a Yoda looks like, they're like, "Whoa, holy crap! He's a tiny little Yoda." But to those who don't know what he looks like, he just looks like a little pet, a little creature. So, um. Uh, I like this quote that she says, I said, I, I want to put it up on my wall. She says, I like first, good or bad, they are always memorable. Um, the ball is a brown, again, we're back to the connective tissue of the ball because we get to that in the next episode as well and it's there. Um, that is, it's just a visual representation of their connection. Um, she can't train him, he has fear and attachment, that's what she's worried about and I think um, it's really interesting to see because in Rebels, she was happily training um Ezra and and um, Kanan, but now she's a bit worried about it and detaching herself from the Jedi necessarily of of it all. And it's interesting. It's gonna. I mean, I'm interested to see if we see her more or if this is just a setup for something live action for her. In that moment, she mentions Anakin. That was pretty cool. And she uses and my friend um, Kev um, will be very excited about this. Kev Parker um, will be very happy on TikTok if he's listening. Laser swords. She, he calls them laser swords. That's right. Yep, laser swords is a is what Lucas called them and that's what they're legitimately... Laser swords and lightsabers, it's all the same thing. Um, the imp people slaughtered during Clone Wars. Morgan Asper was her name. So um, she's a, this magistrate woman is an imp, um, an imperial for those of you who don't know what an imp is. Mando and Jedi team up. That was really cool and I love that he's like, they're not going to see it. Um, the music is almost African and samurai when she goes in and she takes on those guys and the, the gong and everything. Um, and yeah, let's just say Rosario is perfect. She's been studying Ahsoka clearly for a long time and she understands the character very well, her mannerisms and everything like that. So um, it's really... And she's added to it. You know, she's added some age to it and she's added some experience to it and that's really cool and she's, you know, the perfect age for where Ahsoka is at right now as well. Uh, there's another musical motif. Cool to hear Ludwig take it on. Oh, yeah. Um, Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's music is throughout this and there's a musical motif and I'm really glad that Ludwig Garrison um, had an opportunity to take it on. You know, he's, he's a brilliant, did brilliant work with Grogu and, and, and the Mando's theme. So, you know, keep it going. Um, the pauldron was a clever element when she threw the pauldron and it was the one with the with the with the symbol on it, um, just to prove that it was him, because that's his insignia. Um, I thought at this point she was also looking for Moff Gideon with Bo Katan. Um, we do find out later that that's actually Thrawn, which means she's probably looking for for Ezra as well. Which means if there is a spin-off or it's, if it's in this, we might come across um, Ezra in live action. So that'll be cool. I'm happy. To, I would be so happy to see Rebel season three in live action. That'd be wicked. And you've got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, these characters like Bo-Katan, Ezra, Kanan, um, Ahsoka. 
The reason why they're woven into these stories is this is a John Favreau story. So John Favreau is doing his, this is his um, thread. These are the threads that he weaves, these characters that he created and co-created with Lucas. They're weaving through all the things he do, does. And people got upset that, um, you know, characters like Rex and all that were in Rebels and it became Clone Wars Part 2. And I can understand that kind of upset. But at the same time, Favreau is telling a story from Clone Wars onwards. And he's used these elements and these characters to join it all together. Um, and I don't think that the the statements that people make like, um, it's just Clone Wars Part 2 or it's... Um, it's because Rebels got boring or whatever. That's not... I feel like that's unfounded from a story point of view. There's a reason why he's bringing back all these characters. Yeah, it's a bit of fan service as well, but I feel like there's a reason why he's bringing back all these characters. Um, and also, having released Season 7 first to establish Ahsoka and Bo-Katan's relationship really strengthens the Bo-Katan and the Ahsoka element in this because then you add another 20, 15, 10, 15 years on top of that. And of course, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan are working together and they know where each other are at this point after Return of the Jedi. And they've been covert throughout all of the original trilogy kind of timeline. So that's really cool. And it makes me wonder whether whether Ahsoka's actually met Luke or come across him in the Force or something like that. Um, whether she knows about his Jedi Academy or... Or Ben, like does Ben maybe kill Ahsoka? You never know. Um, Ahsoka might have been one of the teachers at this academy. You never know. Uh, the Asian citizen really tops it off. This guy, um, he looks like Jackie Chan, but I have seen him in many other things and I'm very sorry. Um, I don't remember his name. Let's actually have a quick look at his name. Mandalorian chapter 13. Uh, IMDB, Internet Movie Database. Um... Let's go to the shot of the sabers horizontal behind the guards. Okay, so when she's chasing the guards and she's... That is one of the coolest shots in anything ever. That was just so cool. That's the way she lit those in front and then pulled them. Oh, that was just wicked. Um, those droids are pretty cool too. Uh, shot a din with a soaker in the background. Oh, she's standing on the wall and the cowboy dude... That was really cool. It was like the cowboy teaming up with the samurai. It was just... oh. Um, let's see if I can find this uh, this guy's name. Um, James Croak was that guy. Villager Clark Shrill Wing T Chow, Governor Wing as Wing Tao Chow. Wing Governor. Oh, so he was his own. He was playing himself. That's pretty cool. Wing. Let's have a look if that actually is him because there's no photo of him on the Internet Movie Database. Um, I like calling it that now that I know. Yeah, Wing T Chow. That's cool. He's a Disney legend. Ah, okay. So he that's where I've seen him before. So he is on uh, Wing T. Chow. He's a Chinese-born American architect, master planner, construction developer, hospitality professional, former Disney. Ah, oh, he's an Imagineer. There you go. That's where I've seen him in the Imagineering story. That's cool. Very, very cool. Um, So he's the Wing T. Chow. Um, <clears throat> those droids rock shot a din with a soak in the background. Female samurai standoff with no music. There's no music. It's just the wind and the birds and the... That's a classic samurai um, uh, trope, and it worked so beautifully. Um, and then we see another element of the Beskar versus the uh, lightsaber, and it's just... And so in this moment, I'm going to give you a bit of fighting um, knowledge when it comes to like lightsaber forms and stuff. So she's actually doing lightsaber form one, and Ahsoka is traditionally, I believe, a lightsaber form three or four um, master. 
And um, don't quote me on that, but I know she's definitely not a Form 1 user. Kanan and Luke, they typically used lightsaber Form 1. Um, that's all they were really trained in. Luke was trained in it by Obi-Wan because that's where you start and his training didn't really finish. Um, but Luke eventually starts to use, yeah, a Form 2 or 5. I think Anakin was using a 5. Anyway, but Luke predominantly uses a Form Form 1. So does Kanan. So that's what Ahsoka's doing here. And in Rebel, she's doing that too. She wasn't in, in Clone Wars. She was a, a reverse wielder quite a lot. And in, in Rebel, she was a forward wielder. Um, so she started to become a bit more of a forward wielder here as well. Um, it might be, you know, just going back to basics and realizing that the basics like Form 1 are predominant. And, and also, as a story trope, as a, just an extra little element there um, that doesn't need to be in there, but it, it is... Form one is based on the samurai form, like the, the form of sword fighting that the samurai used. So um, it makes so much sense story-wise in this in this kind of samurai episode. Um, and then we have the juxtaposition of um, the samurai fight and the cowboy standoff. That's really cool with Amando and um, the other character. I can't remember what his name is. Um, and then you know the guy says we we're both pretty similar. Uh, with the right right cause, uh, we fight for the right cause, which this is not very clever. Classic cowboy bait and switch. Um, and then Ahsoka does actually return to a reverse wield when she loses her one saber. Um, and then we get to master uh, her master is Grandma Admiral Thrawn. We thought her her master was um, was actually Gideon. You know, at least I did. Moff Gideon, and then it's Grandmaster Thrawn. Um, and then we go, okay, well, if it is Master, if it is Thrawn, Grand Admiral Thrawn, as she calls him, is she looking for Ezra? And are we spinning this off? So that's the next question, isn't it? And I like that we leave some questions open. Um, and then, you know, Mando and, and, and Ahsoka have quite a lot of respect for one another. That's really cool um, the way that she gives him the Beskar spear and everything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's bridging an old an age-old war between the Jedi and the Mando, which is a very strong um, theme in, in this show, is that Din is a bridge. He's a bridge to the Mandos. And we find out in episode 14 how much of a bridge um, other Mandalorians that we've seen years ago have become, but we won't get into that right now. Um, she does recognize his attachment to Grogu and she calls it, uh, you know, she says that he's a father to him. Then she says, go to Tython, the Jedi Temple Seeing Stone, um, and sit on the, sit him on the Seeing Stone. There's a Jedi Temple there and we do actually see that and I'm very excited to talk to you guys about that in the next episode, part two of the double feature this week. Um, but then it, it makes me quit. You know, she said, maybe a Jedi might sense him and she said, well, there's not very many Jedi left so she's not really giving up whether she actually knows if luke is around or not but i suspect she would sense him that's the point of the force we sense those who are, are speaking through the force um you know there's a bit of stuff there maybe she might have met him between empire and jedi because somehow ahsoka found out that yoda was around Maybe she trained him a little bit there, um, was looking for some connection to his father. She might have been, because Luke, you know, this is just speculation theorizing kind of stuff, but it's cool because there's some speculation that perhaps in between Empire and Jedi, you know, you look at Luke and he goes from wanting to destroy an Empire and, and, and destroy Darth Vader, then finds out Darth Vader is his father 
And all of a sudden, when Obi-Wan and, and Yoda are saying, you must kill Darth Vader, he's saying, no, I still sense good in him. So it's like, where did he find that good? Did he just sense it? What is it? You know, Ahsoka always sensed good in him too. So did Padme. So is it his mother talking to him? Is it Ahsoka? We may never know, um, but that's that's just some cool speculation now. I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not a YouTube theorizer, so I'm, I'm and I'm not going to call anyone out who does that kind of stuff. But I don't like to work, deal in absolutes like the Sith. Um, and then you know, will she return? That's the next question. That might have been it, and uh, that might have been all we see of her. Then we see Rosario later because it feels like a waste to not have Rosario later at some point or in something else. Um, you know, and then we get that one last beautiful ending of music of the Ahsoka motif. There. Another beautiful um, kazoo rendition of some Star Wars music for you, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, as always, ladies and gentlemen, the concept art rocks. There's some cool concept art. There's one moment... There is one piece of concept art I'd love to have a copy of. I just want the art of the Mando book. Um, but it is um, the concept art of Ahsoka leaning down to little Grogu and she's got her white cloak on from the end of Rebels. So that's really with her staff. So that's that's some cool stuff to see there. But ladies and gentlemen, that's it for episode number. I don't know what episode number we're up to, but I know we're up to chapter 13 of the Mando. That has been Mando Mondays. <laughs> That'd be great if I had one. Mando Mondays. No, that has been Mando Mondays, ladies and gentlemen. Um, stay tuned. This has been, this is Monday. And on Tuesday of this week, we'll be releasing, um, I'll be recording right after this, my episode of chapter my review of chapter 14, our after show of chapter 14 of Mando um, season two. And we're going to be talking some old friends, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we have some old friends coming back. But I need to sit down and rewatch it again because I watched it uh, half asleep last night and I need to watch it again. So let's do it. And on Tuesday, Tuesday the 8th, that will be out. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening this week. And I will talk to you tomorrow. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, I have been your host, Jordan. This has been Qui-Gon's happy hour. May the force be with you. Always. This is the way. I have spoken.